Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before we start the pod this week, I just want to thank everyone who rated us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify over the last week. We're on 220 reviews across the apps now, and it's absolutely amazing. If you haven't and still want to share the love on the apps, please do. It means the absolute world to us and helps other Borough fans find the podcast as well. Also, just a quick note on our fundraiser this season. We're raising money for the Morton Neuron Disease Association. We've nearly hit our target of 2000 We're about £400 off at the moment. And you can find it on the podcast description below. And just donate what you can because something as little as a fiver uh, can change someone's care and take us one step closer to finding a cure. Right then. This week's pod, in this episode, we talk about Borough's excellent performance against Nottingham Forest. We identify key players in the present place. We discuss the changes Chris Wilder's made. We look ahead to Blackpool and we answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast and this is all the Borough Match Day Chatter in a pod. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh! coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abinelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Bullock, Dana Malt and Tom Green. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all the Borough Master Chatter in a podcast. And well, Borough knocked out Nottingham Forest in a boxing day, Bonanza, in a 2 0 win with goals courtesy of Ryan Yates from Nottingham Forest and Andras Sparar. The win takes Borough fifth in the championship table on 36 points from 24 games. And also, my fun stat uh, of the podcast Mills were able to keep a fourth clean sheet in a row since the first time. In 15-16 season, and you know what that season was? It's a good <laughs> omen indeed. And the last time Borough did that, they did go on to keep nine clean sheets in a row in the championship from November to January, which is an absolutely incredible record for Borough. Very much on the way. But let's let's hear how you're feeling, guys. Dana, since it's Christmas, how are you feeling in as many words as you want? <laughs> Generous. Um, I'm buzzing, to be honest. I watched the Borough side yesterday who... Were outstanding from start to finish. So impressive. It was very similar to when we went to the Amex and stopped Brighton's unbeaten run under Itaka Ranka because 
Forest, not not the same as Brighton, but similar in terms of them being on an upward trajectory. And we just completely dominated them. And we looked, we looked assured, we looked really well drilled, really well put together. And it was a big, big statement win to add to Bournemouth. I think if we really wanted to say that we're in serious, the serious conversation of serious contenders for the top six, then we needed to add to that Bournemouth victory. And we did. And I tell you what, the rest of the championship, sit up and pay attention because it seems as though we are going places under Chris Wilder. Oh, someone's a bit excited. Is it the cut of Vergs already? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I already still have it down myself, so cheers. (laughs) <laughs> Tom, how are you feeling? You're going to echo Dana's thoughts there. It was very yeah, just yesterday, wasn't it? just very similar. Uh, very optimistic now because I was thinking about it yesterday, and then suddenly tried to stop myself from thinking it because I was I don't want to think it too soon or anything. But there's, there's not many teams in the championship now where I'd kind of fear us going up against them on the way we're currently playing, and and that's really saying something. Uh, I thought yesterday was just the most complete performance we've had since Wilder took over. We, you know, Forrest, I was expecting to be a difficult game, a bit like Swansea and, and Bournemouth were. Um, and we just made them look very average and, and just played through them so consistently. Um, I, it's just, it's not a feeling I'm used to with Borough after after the last <laughs> few years. Uh, just kind of being kind of so so happy with how, with how we're playing. You know, some of our passing yesterday, it's just like, Seeing that and then kind of like thinking what I have been happy with over the last few years, I'm like, what was I even thinking? Because uh, <laughs> it, it's just it's it's passing with a, with a purpose now. Like, and, and you look at what we've had under under Warnock, under Woodgate, under Pulis, and, and and then look at the way we're retaining possession now and just playing around teams. It's it's just such a such a difference. Absolutely. It's very much a statement of intent, isn't it? I think with the, the three wins that we've had and the teams that we're playing against are all in and around us. And previously, we, we didn't do that. And I think under Chris Wilder, we're, we're very much are. And we're, we're starting to build something which is very exciting for fans, really. I think Neil Warnock did a good job in stabilising the club, but he couldn't get the best out of what we had. And it was very clear that he couldn't get the best out of what we had. And now we've got a manager in who knows the system, knows the way the players want to play, and also he's getting his message across to these these players that, in a very simple and a very effective way, and it, it's paying dividends on the pitch. But it was a very good performance yesterday, wasn't it, Dana? But how did Borough get the better of Nottingham Forest because they were coming into the game in a bit of form as well? Yeah, they were. I think it was a mixture of things. The press first, it was was really aggressive and intentive. It wasn't just pressing for the sake of it. It was pressing with the intention of stopping them from transitioning the ball through the thirds. And you saw it whenever Ryan Yates dropped deep and, and the centre-back split and he was dropping deep to get the ball, Johnny Housen would trigger a press. And that's ultimately what played into the hands of that first goal. I mean, it was unfortunate that Housen won't get the assist, but it was definitely his press that allowed that to happen and it was that it was on the ball dominance we had 62.7 percent possession in the first half 54 percent overall and we looked there's there's so many good combinations on the pitch which is what we didn't have under warnock of attacking patterns and you see it a lot on the right hand side between whoever's it be it Watmore or Ospera, it's Dykesdale, it's jones it's crooks they will all link together it's those well-drilled uh, build-up patterns and then nullifying Forest key players as well. Zink and Argyle grabbing Johnson. They had 25, 21 and 30 touches between them, the lowest in the game. 
And that's one thing I've noticed, one of many things I've noticed, is that we seem to be able to, with maybe the exception of the Bournemouth game, which was always going to be our toughest uh, test, we seem to be able to nullify their key threats. So all in all, it was a game plan really, really well executed and definitely the best, the best 45 minutes that I've seen in a long, long time. It's interesting that we've said that in, in back-to-back podcasts as well, really building uh, really building each performance and also improvement every week. And also, he hasn't brought in any players yet either. So it's not exactly his team yet, but he's still getting the best out of what he's got. And that shows a, a good sign of a good manager. But Dana, something a little bit interesting yesterday when I looked at Mills' average positions when after the game. And it showed that Mills were a lot more expansive than they have been in previous weeks um, and had 80% of possession on the wings, really, in, in the half space and in, in the width. Um, why, do you, why do you think we did that yesterday? Why do you think Mills were a bit more expansive than in previous weeks? Well, it's always a feature of a 3-5-2, isn't it? I'd say that wing-backs are the most important positions in a 3-5-2. So it's always going to be part of our game plan to utilise the wing-backs. But it wasn't just the, the wing-backs. Obviously, you mentioned that the half spaces, it's Crooks and Tav on their respective sides. They'll move into those half spaces and cause overloads and you'll see Dyke still underlapping if you look at his average position in the game it's it's the furthest forward of that central of that uh, defense defensive three so it causes problems it, it identifies a weakness of Forrest which is of course the lack of wing backs or the lack of Spence and Max Law Chris told us last week in the opposition preview that it's going to be interesting to see them without Spence because it seems as though Spence and Law are probably their most important players for building up the play. So we identified a weakness and also the way that Wilder plays with the overloads underlaps and overlaps, it creates three on twos. And whenever you have that overload, you're always going to have an advantage, aren't you, in in the build-up. And yeah, the triangles, it's honestly, it's so good to see us play so well with the ball because this squad has always been capable of doing it this season. And to see us playing around teams, playing around players, playing through the lines. It's just, it's brilliant. It's such a a breath of fresh air and and something that I've really wanted to see from Borough for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. I think every, every, every fan wants Borough to to do well, but then also it's, it's very interesting to see that, the way Warnock was playing, showing that he, we, we, we thought we were very mediocre and try to deliver that message across the fans. But it shows that it wasn't, we just didn't fit his system at all. Like it was very, very clear from that. Um, and I, I completely echo what you were saying there, Then I think it is a breath of fresh air. It, it's so, so good to see a Borough team play really wonderful football and football with intent as well. And Tom, to, to come back on what Dana was alluding to there about the importance of, of wing backs, not just obviously Nottingham Forest, but also Middlesbrough's play as well. Um, as I Jones' average, average position of the week, um, we always come back to you on it. He was the second highest player yesterday. He's moving up a bit more and a bit more every week, isn't he? Um, do you think Wilder identified callback was probably the weakness at, at fullback, fullback yesterday and thought he's probably the player we need to, to double up on? Yeah, probably, because I mean, it, it was fairly kind of makeshift, wasn't it? But I do think that Forrest were aware of that as well. Um, I did think in the first half, um, Jones wasn't kind of getting at the the fullback and taking him on as much as he has done in previous games. Instead, he was looking for a, a pullback pass kind of um, to um, Crooks, Tav, Dykesdale, whoever was over there at the time, just to try and kind of create chances more centrally. Uh, but I think we did see it more in the second half. Um because what 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 I did notice was they were trying to double up on on Jones and we were having to play through them on the right hand side before Jones could kind of get a, a decent run into the box. 
Um, but no, I, I think it's definitely something something Wilder identified and and like I said, Forrest were aware of it as well. It's just we we had to know how to kind of play through them on that side uh, to really use use Jones' strengths uh, as effectively as we could. Absolutely, absolutely. But let's let's talk about the first goal then, and, and the importance of of press because the first goal yesterday, although Yates did a fantastic job of curling it in the bottom corner, and you know it's uh, he showed his inner Frank Sinclair. I think if you haven't seen that goal for many many years ago, I know it's. Oof. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was two thousand and might be in two thousand and three. Actually, Dana, um, <laughs> might have been two thousand and two, wasn't it? Two thousand and two. Oh, yeah, sure, that season, wasn't it? Um, God, it feels ages ago. That, um, but that that goal is. If you haven't seen it, please uh, find it on YouTube. It's absolutely a corker. Um, but the goal yesterday, Tom, it was everything off the ball that made it happen, wasn't it? It was. It was really, really good press from Millsburn. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just goes back to what uh, what Dana was saying about when the centre back split and Yates was coming centrally to get the ball and Housen was triggering that press. It did seem like something we were trying to do every time uh, Sambo was going to take a, a goal kick. And the, the thing is, as well, they'd done it a couple of times previous to that, where they'd pretty much just fired it back to Samba. Uh, I mean, he he he'd done well to control it and and kind of be in the right place for it. But you you looked at them doing that and thought. You know, one of these times that's going past him and it's going in because they're kicking that far too hard at him. And, and obviously, it happened with uh, with Yates. Phenomenal no look pass right into the bottom corner. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just seemed like it, it was something we'd set out to do and stop them playing out from the back uh, and potentially knowing that they're not going to react well under pressure when, when we are stopping them as well. Uh, we did it, it in the second half. They did it in the yeah. second half as well. You talk about uh, the the back passes being overhit. They did it in the second half as well, didn't they? And I thought for yeah. a moment they were going to do it again, and they were just going to score another wrong goal. I was thinking, how? Why are they doing this? It was it was bizarre, but hey, we benefited from it. So I'm not. Was say. that the one where I, I didn't quite catch it all? But we didn't like Samba like wag his finger at the that North stand because they were just that old. <laughs> they they all thought was going in. <laughs> <laughs> the South stand and the North stand were winding him up. It was brilliant. Yeah, don't make mistakes and don't make mistakes. I mean, the, the crowd would absolutely feed off that type of pressure, don't they? And oh it, 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 it's very intriguing to me that Nottingham Forest kept trying to split the centre-backs and, you know, and trying to let yes jump in because it, time and time again, it wasn't working. But sometimes when you stick to your principle too much, uh, you become right, quite robotic, really, don't you? And I think that's how... I think that's their downfall. Yeah, they, they weren't able to adapt the game as much as we thought they would. Just they, they did switch to a four, but they were still doing the similar patterns. And Middlesbrough was like going on to it time and time again. But then I want to chat about Middlesbrough's press a little bit, a little bit more because I feel like this side is is built on off the ball running, isn't it? You know, that's the real foundation to this Middlesbrough squad. That's why they're finding so much success, isn't it? Yeah, it's on the ball and off the ball. We we just spoke about it there. The the press. It was aggressive, and as I said, it was with purpose. And you could tell that we weren't just pressing for the sake of pressing. We were pressing to not only get the ball back, but to make them feel uncomfortable and to disrupt them from playing the ball out from the back, which they tried to do. And on the ball as well, whenever I, I said to my dad yesterday, that's good football, that. It came as a result of off-the-ball movement and the triangles and the, the little gives and goes where... It just, as we have seen this season against us, the movement off the ball pulls players out of position and it disrupts a team's shape. And when we do it, we do it so well. 
And that understanding between Crooks and Jones in particular is really good. Obviously, it was them that created the first goal. It's not the first, uh, the second goal, sorry. It's not the first time that we've seen that this season between them two. So it just seems that we're so well drilled tactically. And we will go and go on to talk about Warnock uh, later on and the differences between Chris Wilder and Neil Warnock. But tactically, I think Chris Wilder just blows him out of the water, really, because you can see that we've got a plan, we're executing it really well and everything is just so well thought through that it's really bearing fruit at the moment, which is just brilliant to see. It really is. Don't give the podcast away too much, Dan. I'm trying to keep it a secret. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh, Tom, if we want to be super, super critical, if we want to have a utopia view of Mills, we're playing perfect football and I appreciate everyone tries for that. But finishing chances, it still feel like it's Boris Kryptonite, doesn't it? You know, and it has been for years. And it's the difference between good teams and great teams, isn't it? Because the chances we made, 13 shots yesterday, previous games, we've been creating a lot of chances. Boris can't seem to put the ball in the back of the net at times, can they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be fair, yesterday, I did think Samba made some good saves. Um, you know, there was one shot particularly from Spra in the first half where he got down, down low to his bottom corner and tipped it out. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a, a good shot from Sporar and, and you can see it in the last couple of games. I think since scoring that penalty, he is looking to take the chances a little bit more and getting shots off and they have mostly been accurate. So that that's encouraging to see. I think going forward, if we're, if we're looking at trying to take chances more, the fact that Sporar seems more confident with, with shooting now and he obviously got another goal yesterday. I think that can only be a be a good thing, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there were some other chances yesterday, like like I said, Jones hitting the post and stuff like that. It's, it's just like, how did it stay out? But um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it'll come with with time now. Um, you know, I think now with that being, like I said, the most complete performance uh, we've had under Wilder, um, and we've got some some you know decent games coming up where we can look to to get some goals as well. You know, if, if we can get everyone's confidence up and get everyone scoring, I, I can see that not being a problem for too much longer. We're going to yeah, absolutely think... blow a team away. Sorry, I, I feel like we're really going to blow a team away. And maybe that's naive of me to think because we do support Millsborough here. But in terms of our XG, there's been so much of an improvement. I mean, last week it was 3.15, I think, which is the most in a long, long time. And there was that stat where we'd had about 90 or so games not reaching that expected goals and then we've got it it shows that we're creating an abundance of chances that are decent quality so I feel like one of the next teams that we're facing in the form that we're in we have to score three at least but Mm. then again maybe I'm maybe I'm being very naive then I need to calm down (laughs) no it's all Cotterbergs I'm telling you um But no, I was, to be fair, then I was going to say exactly what you were saying there. It is a matter of time until we do blow a team away. Um, the, the amount of chances we create, and I want to come to Sparrow now, and it's obviously two and two for him now, and he's always seems to be in the right place at the right time, but his finishing has just let him down slightly. But when it clicks a little bit more in front of goal, like you were saying there, then I think, I think we are going to blow teams away, and I think we're going to do it in, in superb style as well. And there's only there's only improvement for this side as well. I think there's still things which we can really tweak on and, and really develop a little bit more, but that'll come with time. Um, but overall, I think, yeah, I think we are going to blow a team away, and we're going to do it in a very, very good style. And I think we'll do it with Andros Barath banging an trick as well. Um, but let's chat about him quite quickly because he is starting to hit, get a bit of form there. Tom, you were alluding to it there, but he just seems to be in that right place at the right time, doesn't he? Which all good strikers have. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I think scoring that penalty last week was was probably such a such a godsend for him for for his confidence and and for that as well. Uh, don't remember before that he was still contributing quite well and he was still getting in the right positions, but not scoring. You know, I think he had that one. Uh, that one just before the penalty uh, at Bournemouth where he, he tried to hit it low and uh, Travis saved it with his foot. Um, but now now you look at the, the positions he's getting and the chances he's he's trying to take, he is hitting them well. The majority of them have been on target. Like I say, a couple of good saves from uh, from Samba yesterday to, to prevent him. But yeah, I think once he's got that goal and he, he's got his confidence up, obviously got another one yesterday, I think the more... Now he's going to be in those right chances. The more he's going to try and take those shots, um, and and do it well as well. I, I think obviously confidence is key for a for a striker, and it, it does look like he's he's starting to hit some some kind of vein of confidence now. Yeah, it's what you need, especially with January on the corner and Borough looking to strengthen in that position. But on the opposite side of the pitch, uh, Joe Lumley improving. You know, four clean sheet, four four clean sheets in a row. Um, not for him, obviously. You've got Daniels uh, who contributes to that as well. But Borough have four clean sheets in a row. First since the promotion season, there is more to come. But Dana and Tom, there is improvement there, isn't there? There, there is start. We are starting to see a bit better of Joel Lumley than we did in the pre in the start of the season. Go on, Tom. Yeah, Go down. any of you can take it. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm just speaking from from my own perspective here, but I think I need to start to trust Joel Lumley a little bit more. His distribution is promising, and there's been a big conversation about the goalkeeper's distribution uh, of late, particularly with. Well, it, it was with both of them, with Luke Daniels and with Joe Lumley, but I did look back at my notes from earlier on this season and it was one of the first games that I said this distribution is promising. And it, it did fall by the wayside a little bit and the, I think it, it did get to a point where we were seeing a, a lot of slicing from both keepers, but there's promise in it. It was really good yesterday. And and th- this is another thing, actually, in terms of the tactics and the setup. Whenever Lumley had the ball and he was kicking it out, it was to Crooks and then Crooks would try to flick it on to Jones. And you could see that that was obviously something that we were trying to do in terms of maybe going a little bit more direct. So there's definite promise in Joel Lumley's distribution. He's not been tested. Well, he wasn't tested too much yesterday. I know there was that um, moment where he came flying out and Kung Fu kicked the ball against the Zaya Jones, which I think you're always going to get a little bit of a heart in mouth moment with Lumley. But yeah, I think credit where credit's due. He's been solid recently. Yeah, I, I think he has. I think he has too. I think it comes with that direction. And you were saying there, dinner on tactics and stuff. I think under Warnock, we we just wanted to get the ball up as much as we could, try and get our shape back, and then we'll try and get the teams on the counter attack. With this, there seems to be a bit more intent to it. You know, he's drilling yeah. certain kicks each time. So of, of course, when you've got that intent, then you've got that goal in mind. I think that's where you, you'll tend to find that you'll start seeing improvements on that front. But let's talk about the praise and place then because every week we, we talk about one player in particular or we can do three. It doesn't matter. We can do as many as we want and we and we dissect why they've been the best performer this week. Um, but Dana, praise and place, who is your pick this week? Oh, there's a few. I always have to praise Anthony Dykesdale because I just think he's wonderful. Um, he's just such a calm, composed, astute defender. Um, there was a moment in the second half, though, where Philip Zinkenagel blazed the ball over the the crossbar where he did go to press. He didn't really cut off the the pass. He just went to press Brennan Johnson. And I was like, oh, no, I'm still don't do that. Um, and he did. And thankfully, uh, we didn't. Uh, Forrest didn't benefit from it. 
but he's such he's just such a good defender. Um, so I have to give praise to, to Anthony Dykesdale. He was we saw him a lot more advanced yesterday. He was getting up the pitch a lot more. He definitely only looks right footed. That's probably the only thing I can say about him. He doesn't look like he has a left foot whatsoever. But fantastic, Johnny Howson, absolutely brilliant. The press that he he really marshaled that defense uh, that defense that midfield. Um, and I, I talk about marshaling defense because I was actually going to say Dale Fry was fantastic again. Paddy McNair, you know what? The whole team, the whole team were just absolutely brilliant yesterday. I can't really fault any of them. Tom, who are you going to go for? Oh, I mean, I completely echo that, that the whole team was brilliant yesterday, but um, Dykesdale was the one I had picked out for, for man this week. I just thought yesterday, just like Dana said, he looked so composed every time he had the ball. Uh, there was a, a point, I think it was only like 10, 15 seconds into the first half where he just dribbled it past one of their one of their strikers, like he wasn't even there. Like <laughs> him and Fry were doing extremely well yesterday. We kind of let Marauding runs out from the back, but Dyke Staley looked like you know when you're playing FIFA online against someone very good and you can't get the ball off them. Like you go to dribble, like you go to tackle them and they just dribble past you, and it just looked like that. Like he <laughs> was just going past people, like he, he, that weren't even there, and he just he, he had no kind of you know fear of losing the ball to him. It was it was great to see. But then also defensive positioning yesterday, other than that that one exception where Dana pointed out there, um, and and uh, physicality as well, I, I couldn't couldn't fault anything from yesterday. It's going to be a hat trick here for Anthony Dyke Steele because I was going to say he's, he's my player of, of the week as well. I think he, he was just absolutely superb yesterday, and when he plays in that three, I think it suits him to an absolute T. Um, you know, it comes back to his days when he used to be a second defensive midfielder. He can bring the ball out. His distributions goes, you know, his positional play is very, very good as well. And like I said, like if, if you did lose Johnny House and if Anthony Dykesdale is a, a ready-made replacement in that second defensive midfielder role, I think he's he's a very, very good footballer. And to be honest, if we ever chose to sell him, I think we'd get good money from him too. And I think the his previous performances just shows how much of a big asset he is to this team. And he's very underrated. And I think he, he definitely could be one of his most key key valuable players not just this season but in many seasons to come and also I just want to give a shout out to Neil Taylor as well I think since he's came mm. into the side yeah. you know Mark Ball has done fantastic in in that left back left wing back role over the last couple of seasons and for for Taylor to come in to show his experience to fit in very well and you know he nearly set up the uh, the Isaiah Jones chance as well and I thought he was very, very good again yesterday. He's just very, a very solid player. He's someone who you want to come in and rely on. He reminds me a little bit like George Friend in a way because he was just so consistent uh, week in, week out. I mean, he didn't, he doesn't do the, the, the cut in as, as much. But overall, I think he, he was very, very good yesterday and definitely deserves a shout out for sure. You, you know what I noticed about him yesterday, which I, I was very impressed with, kind of I, not even just at corners, but that was where you'd pick up, up on it most. He was using his experience to kind of marshal people in the uh, defense and who they should be uh, marking. Uh, mm. I think it was particularly Tav who, who he was telling to get in position uh, more often than not. Uh, but you could see the organization from him. And it's something that we, we've kind of talked about for Peltier and Bamba earlier in the season. And it's I think it just comes with the experience from, from the years of playing as a defender. But it was good to see. Uh, him using that experience to to kind of help out in those situations. Have you Sometimes, noticed that they keep mentioning that he's never scored a goal in senior foot? It's senior club football. You know what's going to happen next? He's probably going to score against Blackpool, isn't he? 
Neil Taylor, hat-trick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get a bit on that. Oh, a daft quid. Sorry, Tom, what, what are you going to say? I was just going to say he deserved one yesterday. That, uh, that bit of play where he had the um, the shot that Samba uh, tip it wide or over. Um, but it was on target. Like It, it was a good shot. Uh, probably not a shot you'd expect from a defender. And yeah, uh, I, I just thought after that bit of play, definitely deserved a goal from that. I, I assumed that was going to uh, go in. Yeah, well, you, you can't buy experience at times, can you? I think the, the experience that Neil Taylor has and what Johnny Housen has, um, you can even put probably Crooks in there. And, and you can, when you look at the side as well, we're starting to have leaders in this team and, and also to help develop the younger players that we have as well. When you look at Tav and he's going to be working with, with Johnny Housen, you've also got Neil Taylor there who's going to be talking his ear all the time. I'll only develop him even further. And I think it's really, really good that we've brought someone in who who knows his role, who's adapted very quickly, and then also he's helping the team, you know, get through this difficult stage, especially when we only have one left back in, in him now. So it's very, very good indeed. But in terms of why why and what we've done differently since Neil Warnock's left, this team's looking very impressive at the moment. But why are we looking so impressive, Dana? Because the, the contrast between Neil Warnock's team and Chris Wilder's team, same players, but it's completely different and we look way more impressive. But why is that? I think just because the squad suits the style of play that Chris Wilder wants his teams to play and nothing was really aligning with with Warnock. <clears throat> I've got nothing bad to say about Warnock. He did a good job when we needed him to do a good job, but it was very, very clear. And we said this on the podcast, many other people said it as well, that he took us as far as he could. And that changed, that that change from Warnock to Wilder could well be the signing of the season because there's little things, little things like, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, the build-up patterns when we're trying to transition it through the thirds, the shape of the ball is brilliant. We often were found out really in terms of uh, another team star player coming to the Riverside. We often said, if you've got good off the ball movement, you can really get out and you can cause us problems. So defensively, we look good. We're not really letting teams have a lot of high quality chances. I think the exception to that is probably the Bournemouth game. But as I mentioned before, the slight caveat of that is that that was always going to be our toughest test. Team a second, they've got the likes of Dominic Solanke, Jaden Anthony. I mean, they, they had um, good players coming off the bench, really good players coming off the bench. So... That was always going to be a, diff- a difficult game for us. But we just have that balance now, I think. And you mentioned Neil Taylor there. The balance between the left-hand side and the right-hand side is a lot better to what we saw under Warnock, where we were predominantly lopsided. It was mostly Tav on that right-hand side. And Tav would cut in centrally, but there'd be nobody behind him to take up that space. Whereas if we were to do that under Wilder, you would have Tav cutting inside and then you would have, for example, an Anthony Dykesdale stepping into that space. So mm. there's just a really good balance. And we do we do still put, uh, attack predominantly down the right, but we have a left side as well. And I, I still would like to see a lot more from the left, but I would say that we are balanced. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that have changed because I just think overall, this squad suits Chris Wilder's style of play to a T. Tom, Dana was mentioning obviously balanced and uh, adapting quite well to his style. But what else would you would you say that the, the difference between Wilder and, and Warnock's team? It, it was a phrase that was mentioned a little bit earlier on. Uh, well drilled. <clears throat> I think it's just that. Uh, I, I think everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing at the right time. And I think the fact that he's being able to implement that in such a short space of time 
coupled with the fact that that we have the players already that we're comfortable with that style of play. I, I think it's just it worked wonders for us. I think looking back at a similar situation when Karanka came in and we had that like five game stretch where we didn't score but we didn't concede either. But you could see the team uh, slowly starting to become more drilled and see what he's doing. Obviously, it's a lot more positive this time around because we're winning as well. But de- defensively, it, like I've said a couple of a couple of weeks running, like everyone knows where they're supposed to be. We're we're getting blocks in on the edge of the box and and keeping keeping teams to low quality chances to the outside of the area. I think that's only going to help Burnley as well because uh, you look at a, a similarity there to to the season we went up, where you know I, I don't want to take anything away from Demi because you know he, he set the record and he, he he did a great job when he was here, but. He wasn't facing too many kind of close-range chances or high-quality chances because of that defence, and I think it's similar now uh, that you know we're, we're keeping teams to these low-quality chances and and Lumley's abilities as a shop stopper, uh, coupled with improvements in distribution, that that's only going to make him look like so much better. Um, it's just something I love to say, really. You know, the um, being so well drilled as a team coupled with possession football and, and actually being purposeful with what we're doing. It's it's just so good to watch, I think. Dana, I thought you were opening a, a, a tin of John Smith's for a second there. Um, I was like, Jesus Christ, let's get on it, isn't she? Um, but, but, but Tom, I was gonna say, everything that you were saying there, I, I fully agree with, um, especially with the, the Dimmy comments as well. I think that Karanka's team was built with a really solid foundation defensively. This team probably needs to as well. All great teams have a very solid defense. And then once you once you have that, you you, you tend to find a bit more freedom in the attacking spaces. Neil Warner, I think the difference between Warnock and Wilder is that Neil Warnock didn't know how to defensively set this team up anymore. I think it was kind of like a case of, oh, well, I know a team to, to set up defensively, kind of. But I think the coaching was poor. I just, I just think we didn't, we didn't look like a team that, was very well cautioned under, under Neil Warnock. But under Chris Wilder, I think we, we do. And that's no criticism of, of Neil Warnock. He's done a, a lot in the game. There's a, lot, there's a lot of respect. But right now, his probably methods were probably dated from when comparison to Chris Wilder. And I appreciate it's still early doors, but Chris Wilder's done it at every single club he's been at now. And he's, he's just starting off in Middlesbrough. If he keeps going the way he is, it just shows that he's a Premier League manager. He should be a Premier League manager. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of the same crop of players, the difference, it's just like he's just getting a bit, Chris Wilder's getting a bit more out of it, isn't he? He's just, he's just, the players seem to be responding so much more and everything seems to be a little bit better. From, heard from the grapevine that the players really are really enjoying the training sessions under under Chris Wilder, a bit of ITK there. So it's it's like, um, it, it seems to be all all very merry. But then the, 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 it is the same crop. But what is... The main key difference. What do you, if you had to pinpoint one thing now, what would you pinpoint it down to? I think the difference. Well, as I said previously, I think the squad just suits the style of play that Chris Wilder wants to play with, and and we, it, it was never a problem with the with the team or the players. I remember talking a lot about liking this squad, and I and I wrote a piece in Fly Me to the Moon echoing the same sentiments. It was never a problem with the players. It, the problem lied with the manager and the coaching, and I think exactly what you've just said there, Johnny. Chris Wilder is a better tactician than Warnock. I think we've seen that already with the, the back three, the overlaps, underlapping and overlapping centre-halves, 
striker dropping deep to receive and then we move from there. It's just so, and I'll echo what's been said on this podcast already, we're just so well drilled. And all in all, it just got to a point where we were, it was dated. I, I, I do agree with you there with Warnock. Fantastic what he's done in the game, but there was no way that he was going to get us promoted. And we needed that change. There was a lot of criticisms of Warnock and and we got criticism for criticising him, but I think it's been justified because this change has already reaped big benefits. And I know not benefits in terms of, you know, we haven't been promoted, we haven't won anything yet other than games. But that, that is the change, really. We're, we're now winning games. It feels as though we're not going to take one step forward and two steps back. It feels like we are not so Jekyll and Hyde anymore. And obviously time will, will tell whether or not this is a long-term statement and I'll be making this in maybe two months time but it does it feels different this time and I was reading Dom's Dom Shaw's piece in the Gazette earlier it just feels like this team is making waves and that's why I said at the top of the pod the rest of the championship needs to pay attention to Millsborough Football Club because I've seen a lot of people almost write us off I was watching Benjamin Buttons Benjamin Buttons I said it again didn't I? <laughs> um, Benjamin, <laughs> Benjamin, Benjamin Bloom Benjamin oh, Bloom <laughs> <laughs> oh god sorry ben i hope he's not watching this i'll probably laugh at him Shout anyway. out to ben you know he does a great <laughs> yeah. he does he does a great show does ben but just not, not benjamin button <clears throat> i was gonna say if anyone wants to enjoy some championship content definitely give uh ben's yeah. youtube channel a watch but he did he does the the, the uh pre-weekend previews and a lot of the comments on his video were saying forest win forest win forest win barely anyone said borough and I feel like we have gone under the radar a little bit, but that game, especially coming after the Bournemouth game, is a massive, massive statement of intent. Sorry, just Benjamin Bourne's absolutely creased me. Absolutely <laughs> every time, doesn't it? <laughs> it's the VB, you can't deal with it. It's but To be fair, it is a statement of intent, and Bora have to go to Blackpool uh, on the 29th uh, with 3,000 travelling fans at Bloomfield Road to see if we can keep this form going. Um, but to get a bit of insight on Blackpool this season, um, following our 2-1 defeat in September, we asked Dan from Up the Mighty Pools podcast to give us a bit more insight into Blackpool this season. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So Blackpool have done all right so far. We're currently sort of mid-table team. We were pushing up higher after a good bit of form earlier on in the season. Um, towards the playoffs, but that we've had a few disappointments in terms of losses, um, most notably against Derby away when we lost 1-0 and more recently against a strong Huddersfield side where we were in a driving seat in 2-1 and fortunately lost 3-2 after our play got sent off. So yeah, a real mixed bag in terms of form. Um, but things do seem to be on the up after another spirited performance, as I just mentioned then, against the Huddersfield game. Um, with Keshi Anderson being our standout performer, he's made a real good uh, start to the season and seems to be happy and comfortable at this level, which is quite amazing considering he's come from uh, League 2 Swindon. Obviously he got promoted with us last year and now he's doing really well. Alongside him, we've got our Marvin Ekpateta, who's at the back, who's also been very strong and an ever-present in our side. And finally, another player to probably watch out for, I'd say, is Josh Bowler. He's come from Everton. He's a very tricky winger, and he now seems to be following up with a bit of end product, which is what he was missing previously from his game. In terms of strengthening, um, I would say we definitely need to be in front of a striker. Blackpool have suffered with um, finishing off movements and goals and opportunities um, because we just don't seem to have an out-and-out just top, top finisher. We've got some... Um, sort of players that are kind of ending towards that area have got lots of potential in terms of Shane Lavery and also Jerry Yates but they just don't seem to have enough goals in it at the moment so I'd say yeah we definitely need a striker and if I was going to be greedy I'd also say another midfielder just because we seem to be light in that area we've got a lot of players uh, in the central midfield area that have um, been injured such as Grant Ward Kevin Stewart and Matty Virtue. So, yeah, out there be the two areas I'd say we need strengthening. Cheers for that, Dan. Um, so, Blackpool in a bit of, have been a bit in and out of form this season, but have done very, very well uh, since the promotion uh, last season. Uh, but let's let you thought, hear your thoughts, guys. How are we feeling about the game against Blackpool uh, midweek? Tom, do you want to go first? How are you feeling? A bit confident? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily a, a ground I enjoy seeing us go to. Um, I, I, I mean, we, we've had good wins there, but we, we've also kind of lost there as well uh, in in recent memory. Um, I think we're playing well enough to to get something out of it. 
um, you know, more than like, I mean, not more than likely, but hopefully, uh, hopefully a win from that. You know, the the one overriding thing in, in my mind is because they played so so well at the Riverside and they, they look so tactically drilled. I think it is going to be a, a good game. Definitely not taking them lightly. Um, but, I mean, I'd, I'd be looking for a 1-0 Borough win uh, midweek. 1-0 Borough win. Another clean sheet, huh? Another clean sheet. Um, <laughs> We're never conceding again. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you the one that's been on the drink? <laughs> not yet. Uh, but yeah, uh, Dana, what are you going? What are you going to go for? What are you going to go for? Feeling optimistic? What are your, what's your predictions? I mean, we've spent forty-two minutes of this podcast really praising Boris. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if we then got beat. But no, I, I think it is going to be tough, isn't it? I mean, going to Bloomfield Road, I think exactly like Tom. We've it, it doesn't seem to be, and I don't know whether this is just because I'm thinking about the game this season in the cup, but. I don't really, it's one of those games where I don't really like us going there, but they've got some good players. What they, what um, Dan mentioned about Josh Baller, Keshi Anderson, Sonny Carey as well, seems to have, uh, to have adjusted to life in the championship really well. Um, scored against Peterborough in their, uh, the game before last. So they're a team that people need to start giving more credit to, I think. Neil Critchley's done such a, a good job at Blackpool and hopefully they, they stay up. I do like Blackpool. So, I think this is going to be a tight one, to be honest. I'm not going to echo Tom's thoughts in terms of him thinking we're going to keep another clean sheet. I do think we'll concede in this one, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 Borough victory. 2-1 Borough victory. Last time, I think Jonathan Woodgate scored the winner. Um, Was that the promotion season? Kiki and Jonathan Woodgate won it. That was the the two goal scorers on it. Oh yeah, it was KK ninth minute. We'll get with the equalizer. Yeah, that was all right. That's right. Um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go a two 0 Borough win. I think another clean sheet. Um, I think we look really solid. Permitting that we, if if we might, we might make changes given that the the, the turnaround in games is is very very short. Um, but I think you've got enough there to get past Blackpool. I think they're a very, very good side. Like I was saying there, Dan, I think Neil Critchley's done a fantastic job since his move from Liverpool um, to take over. And he's a very talented coach and he's got them playing good football at times. And I think that they shouldn't be underestimating this league. But I think Boris just have enough. I think just given the form we're in and tactically the way we're playing, a completely different side to what we were when we played them in September. And hopefully we get the best of them and we win 2 0. And the promotion party will start to begin even more Borough fans because they're just so excited with it. Um, <laughs> but let's 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 move on to questions then because you send in the questions on Twitter and we answer them on the podcast. Um, the first one this week, uh, Tom, I'm going to come to you first. It's from Dave McNally and he says, Wilder hasn't used much of his squad yet. Is fatigue going to be an issue or will other teams pending fixtures congestion even that out? Um, I'm hoping it will be evened out and it won't be too much of an issue. But it is something that Wilder's spoken about uh, since he came in. You know, the the injuries we had under Warnock, uh, most of his teams have been kind of very fit and being able to last an entire season. So one of the things he had mentioned in, in one of his press conferences was uh, kind of getting to the root of that issue and resolving it. And I think even you look at, at yesterday, I actually had to stay back in the stadium a little bit longer. Uh, my dad just had an operation on his foot recently, couldn't risk the crowds. And uh, right in front of us, um, I think it was Frankie Hunter was setting up um, cones and stuff for a, for a warm down, which no, I didn't that. I didn't didn't see a lot under Warnock to be honest. Uh, and I'm wondering if that is kind of a, part of a wider thing to 
to help keep the players fresh um, and not be fatigued as much and just making sure they're doing, you know, full warm downs and, and getting more sports science involved in it. Mm, absolutely. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see how that how we combat, how, combat that. But I think you're absolutely spot on there, Tom. Sports science does play a massive part. And then obviously seeing Frankie Hunt to do that is a really, really positive thing for Borough as well. And we, I think we're only a few players, they are two or three injuries and we're, we're knackered, I think. Uh, so hopefully if we can try and bring a few more players in, then that'd be ideal. Uh, but next question, Dan, I'm coming to you. It's from Andy and he says, are we capable of breaking the top two? Can Wildsborough be stuffed? Very... Uh, very optimistic as Andy, um, but can can uh, Bora break it in the top two? We're not that far off now. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm very excited about Bora under Wilder, and I think that we we could definitely be in the conversation for promotion. But top two might be a little bit of a push. I am worried about January. We have seen times in the past, particularly under Tony Mowbray, where January onwards has basically derailed our season and in fairness under Warnock it was exactly the same we thought or we assumed that we had improved in terms of the personnel and the options in the squad and really we didn't and I think in part that was because Warnock didn't really know what to do with the options that he had so I'm hoping that in January we instead of maybe taking away the, the squad camaraderie we just add to it and mm. we add more meat to the bones rather than doing anything that can maybe turn our form a little bit sour, which is obviously is never the intention, but sometimes you just don't get the blend and the right mix of players and sometimes players just don't hit the ground running. So January is a massive, massive month for us. We have, we are, of course, one of the most informed teams in the championship and it shouldn't be underestimated how good we have been and how promising the signs are in the last couple of games. But I think I would probably wait until after January. I think I'm going to be coy on that and say, ask me in February. <laughs> see, yeah, you, I always told you, Dana, November to February, most important <clears throat> month of the championship season. So it'll be interesting to see how we uh, how we cope with that. But I think top two is a bit too far for me. I think I've only just, I'm slowly changing my mind that we'll make playoffs, to be honest. Um, I was very adamant that we'd have seventh place pretty much nailed on this season, um, or like seventh to 11th, really, especially under Neil Warnock. I didn't think we were going to break in, but under Wilder, it's just like flip the script, doesn't it? And we'll see. We need to add to this squad. We definitely need to add. Um, but Jeff has uh, given us another question. Tom, I want to come to you and he says, are Paddy McNair, Anthony Dykesdale, and Johnny Housen the best players in the championship? <laughs> Probably wouldn't go that far, but maybe on form, maybe they could be. Um, you know, the uh, the top two teams are, are struggling a little bit at the moment. You know, we're obviously loaded with good players, and you know the the improvements that that these players in particular have made under under Wilder. You know, on on form, there, there was people talking about Housen on BBCTs yesterday, actually calling him Benjamin Button on purpose. Um, <laughs> because the say he's, he's absolutely uh, rolling back the years and, and sentiment, and I, I'd agree with that. Like that is so far under Wilder, that's the best I've seen Johnny Housen play for us. And uh, there was a time, kind of earlier this season and last season, where you just thought, how, how long, how much longer has Housen got with us? Because he's not really kind of contributing too much, but. You, you can see what he has to offer now in in the system. I think he's he's fitted into it very well. Yeah, he's he's very much benefited, hasn't he? I think he's the one player that has probably benefited the most under Chris Wilder is Johnny Housen. Um, Paddy McNair and Dykesteel are up there. I think they're really good quality players, but there's just a bit. I think this is a bit more in the championship in comparison than both. Next question, 
Uh, okay, I'm going to stick with you, Tom. Jonathan says, uh, how far can Borough go under Chris Wilder? Champions League final. Champions League <laughs> final. Okay, Are we winning um, it, Next you question. Are. Are we winning it, though? Uh, yeah, of course we are. Yeah, absolutely play uh, like Real Madrid off the park or something. Uh, nah, like, I think we're going to play Sevilla in the Champions League final and then we're going to avenge that defeat from 2006. <laughs> we'll go full, and then Chris Wilder okay. will take the England job. <laughs> 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 That's, that'll be the full, that'll be the closure every Borough fan needs. Um, next question is <laughs> from Charlie. Uh, he says, do you think that the performance will keep the attendances high at the Riverside for the rest of the season? Oof, we'd like to hope so, but I think there's many factors contributing to people not coming to the games. I will say, though, I know we've sold over a thousand half-season cards. I don't know whether the deadline has passed for those, whether it's just a Christmas thing. But um, if anybody is undecided on whether or not they want to come to the Riverside this season to watch Borough for the remainder of the season, maybe it's because they've been put off by performances earlier in the campaign or apathy has, has seeped in. Just forget about it, because it feels like we are going places under Chris Wilder. We've got a fantastic manager, probably one of the best, if not the best in the championship, that knows how to not only get promoted, but build a, a successful squad. You know, He's done it. He did it at, at Sheffield United, of course. Um, he did it at Northampton. I think he took over Northampton when they were in the bottom three. He really built that, that squad up to be a winning squad with a winning man- mentality. I would just say... Join the hype train, join the Chris Wilder train because it it does feel as though, and again, this is only really a feeling, although we can definitely couple it with what we've seen from Borough, that we are only going to improve. And you can get 10% off your season ticket with Dana 10. So that's Dana 10. But it is, it is a high no, isn't it? It is. I think it is exciting. I think if you are undecided, please do it. Um, just just to know that discount code does not exist. I just need. To, <laughs> I have to clarify that. I'll I'll be getting emails from Borough for that. Um, <laughs> um, but next, the next the final question. Uh, it's from Ryan, um, and I want you both to answer it. And he says, uh, "Do you think it would be the best interest for the club to sell Tav and invest the money in uh, invest the money in more squad depth?" We spoke about this last week, and we did it in depth as well around. Would it, but this was around more of Jed Spence and do we do we sell Tav and invest it in the squad or do we not uh, because Borod are able to to invest Chris Wilder did say we are so Dana you can go first Tom I'll let you take, take, take us home no I don't think it's in the club's best interest to sell one of their best players and somebody that I mean he, he is a bit of a uh, Matt might is nice to have, but for me, I think he is one of our best players, um, and it just wouldn't it, it just wouldn't be right. And plus, who are you bringing in? Because you could bring in one of the best players in the championship, but they might not adjust to the team. They might not. I don't know. They might just not fit the club. So no, I think there's there's potential in Tav, and I'll keep saying it. I'll keep saying it until he scores or assists. But he's he's he does such an important job for this team and it seems as though he's simplifying his game a lot more he was good yesterday more so in the first half than the second but I wouldn't sell anybody and I think that there was a Gazette article which said that Borough aren't in a position where they need to to sell as in we're financially stricken and we must do a reading and try to drum up some fr- uh, funds from somewhere so yeah I wouldn't not for me okay Tom 
No, same. I, I don't think it's in our best interest to sell unless it was like an unrealistic money, you know, fee for signing of like fifty million or something like that. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't wouldn't be dreaming of actively trying to sell to have something. I was thinking about yesterday. Now we, we've said it before about uh, McNair, where we said he, he seems to be kind of ready made for this system because he wasn't quite a centre back, wasn't quite a, a centre mid. I think Tam, Tav is similar in that he wasn't quite a winger, wasn't quite a, a, a centre-attacking mid. And, you know, he'd played centre-mid a couple of times, but in a two and didn't look so, like, convincing there. I think the system's benefited him as well, being on the left side of that three. Because I think despite the fact that he hasn't scored or assisted, he still offers a lot in that centre-midfield. And the, I think teamwork is is improving from from that side of things as well. He's doing stuff for the team without kind of looking flashy and individual. And yeah. I, I just think he is probably a vital part of that midfield. We shouldn't be looking at, uh, at selling him at all. Absolutely. No, absolutely. absolutely. Um, like, you, like we were saying on a previous podcast with Tav, it's like stats and contributions. Like it's it's this, this conversation can go on forever. Um, but I think what Tav does bring to the team is is just probably too much. I think if we were to lose him, we'd have to invest quite well to bring in someone similar um, for for that. But it'd be interesting to see what Leeds doing this in the in the window. Of course, they are after and they have been interested in Tav. So it'd be interesting to see if they're, they're going to to sign him as well. But. That's very much it, guys. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. And thank you very much for you as a, as a listener for listening to the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that's it. Battling Borough Beat Forest with a blockbuster display on Boxing Day. This Chris Wilder fella's a bit of a Christmas cracker, isn't he? This is the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was like a match day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. <laughs>